10 million Ether in the Ethereum 2.0 smart contract, the Ripple court case continues and important developments in the Cosmos ecosystem. That and more in the crypto market talk this week. In this week's crypto market talk, we will of course talk about Bitcoin and Ethereum. We will have a quick look onto Cardano as well as some important developments in the Cosmos ecosystem and what that could mean for the Cosmos price. We will quickly talk about Dogecoin once again and we will also discuss Avalanche because there have been some interesting developments too. But first, let's start with Bitcoin and especially talk about the topic of Bitcoin mining. In this Forbes article, the author is making kind of the claim that the development of the Bitcoin mining is quite healthy, especially for North America. And you remember last summer, there was an exodus from China towards Kazakhstan, mostly because China essentially banned Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. Now, what has happened since then is a couple of weeks ago, there were geopolitical issues in Kazakhstan as well. So people have actually moved away from Kazakhstan now more to the northern states or the northern countries in the US and Northern America. Now, what kind of countries are we talking about? Mostly the US, of course. In the US, we have uh, states like Texas, where in energy is quite cheap. And there have been kind of regulatory friendly regulatory behaviors towards cryptocurrencies. And then, of course, we have Canada. And Canada is, because it's more northern, of course, quite cool climate and essentially also kind of welcoming to crypto miners as well. Then we have the Nordic countries in the European area. And there we essentially would expect Iceland, Norway and so on to be kind of the major countries where uh, European miners would set up shop. Then, of course, we also have South America and the whole kind of Argentina area, which could be quite interesting for miners as well. But kind of the author's point is essentially claiming that um, the mining that would stop in Kazakhstan due to the geopolitical issues would actually be quite beneficial for the northern states in the US. Now, talking about Bitcoin mining and crypto specifically in Europe, we also have to discuss this Mika law that just came out or will be decided upon today. Mika stands for Markets in Crypto Assets and is essentially discussing the idea of a potential proof of work ban in the EU states. Yes, you've heard it right. And there is actually a paragraph that was added just last Friday. So a couple of weeks ago, the EU proposed a potential Bitcoin and POE um, or POW actually ban. And the paragraph have been changed since then. So the Mika law was changed and so on. And last Friday, actually, it was changed back again. And this could be a major problem. It says here, crypto assets shall be subject to minimum environmental sustainability standards with respect to their consensus mechanism used for validating transactions before being issued, offered or admitted to trading in the union. Now, that's just one part. So the major concern of the EU is, of course, environmental sustainability. But the main problem, in my opinion, is they shall set up and maintain a phased rollout plan to ensure compliance with such requirements in accordance with the conditions and criteria referred to in paragraph three. Now, 
I do know Bitcoin development a little bit and I can absolutely guarantee you that the Bitcoin developers won't just get together, have a conference, discuss a potential phased rollout plan that they can then present to the EU. That's just not how open source development works. And just generally, it just shows you that these politicians don't really know what they're talking about when they are trying to bring such unrealistic suggestions. Now, instead of talking to the community and making a community proposal and going the open source route of discussing these important topics, don't get me wrong, these are absolutely important topics, they are essentially banning an entire industry, an entire potential innovation area of the EU, which would then lead to brain drain and companies leaving the EU area. Now, what kind of companies are we talking about? Of course, the crypto exchanges, the Bitpandas, the Coinbase Germany's the uh, Bison and uh, the Börse Stuttgart, all of these kind of uh, companies that have crypto services in the EU area will be essentially extinct because you are then not allowed to offer two of the most popular cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. And of course, other cryptos as well. So as soon as they go towards proof of work, it will become an issue. Now, in my opinion, this is very short-sighted again. And this article, for example, goes a bit more deeper and looks at it from a Bitcoin mining perspective. Because, of course, the EU accounts for about 12 to 14% of the global hash power on the Bitcoin network. Now, when we're talking about 12 to 14%, of course, it's nothing compared to the 50-60% we've just had in China before summer last year. But still, 12 to 14% could still make some miners move away from the EU region towards Northern America, to Canada, to South America, and so on. And in my opinion, again, it just will cripple innovation and it will destroy innovation in the crypto area, which will be super, super important, essentially making it impossible to catch up for the EU when it comes to the US, to Switzerland, to Singapore and other Asian countries, which are more relaxed when it comes to regulatory oversight and cryptocurrencies. Now, what can you do if you live in the EU area? You, of course, can send an email to the uh, EU politicians, which are going to be voting for or against this law so quite interesting here you have a list and you can essentially talk to these people and educate them if you live in the eu area now going on with a bitcoin news of course the fed rate hike or the scare of the fed rate hike this week is also around so on wednesday 16th march we will discuss um, or we'll learn about the potential Fed rate hike. Some people are saying 0.25% will be max. Others are even saying it could be higher. I wouldn't expect more than 0.25. And I also wouldn't expect more than two to three um, rate hikes this year. Of course, some banks have already calculated and estimated that about five changes could happen this year. I would actually be not so sure due to the war in Ukraine happening right now. I don't think the Fed can afford with us of course the inflation numbers to kind of um, go up this high because on one side you have the expenses of the economy on the other side you have the inflation pressure so the fed has to do something the question is just what will happen now looking at the chart again the range seems to hold up really really nicely and again this is the same range that we've drawn about two to three weeks ago and it just shows you that you could have traded this range quite profitably in the last couple of weeks this is still the Fibonacci sequence with the addition of that one line that I've drawn at around 33,000 US dollars. Be 
because I do think that if kind of an unexpected situation would occur in the Ukraine or an unexpected situation would happen with the Fed or an unexpected situation with the EU would happen, that this could actually touch 33K. I do think this is a possibility, hence why I've still drawn it in line. Now, moving on to Ethereum, a very important milestone for Ethereum, about 10 million Ether. So Ether is the asset, Ethereum is the blockchain and the network have been yeah, de deposited into the smart contract called Ethereum 2.0. Now, when we're talking about Ethereum 2.0, we now have a new wording and this comes directly from the Ethereum Foundation, essentially saying that Ethereum 1.0 or the Ethereum that we're dealing with right now is called the executive layer. So the layer that everything is happening right now is Ethereum 1.0. Now Ethereum 2.0 or Ethereum 2 is now going to be called consensus layer. So the proof of stake layer is going to be the consensus layer. So everything that's happening on ETH 2.0 is now called the consensus layer. Now again, 10 million ETH have been deposited into that and the counter value would be about 26 billion US dollars in ETH 2.0. And it just shows that the market is trusting, the Ethereum foundation is trusting Ethereum 2.0 to become this major proof of stake blockchain in the crypto sphere. Now, important, if you want to become a validator and participate in Ethereum 2.0 a bit more actively, you will need 32 Ethereum or Ether and will have to have some technical knowledge. You can do it with less, but it's a bit more tricky. So you have to know what you're doing when you want to participate in Ethereum 2.0. Now, what would you get if you send your Ether to the Ether 2.0 or to the consensus layer? You would get about 4 to 6% in yield per year, but you have no option of moving out the Ethereum or the Ether back into 1.0. Moving on, we will discuss this Ethereum co-founder Joe Lubin, crypto among Ukraine's best weapons against Russia. Now, Joe Lubin, the founder of Consensus, who has been in the media this last couple of days because he moved some intellectual property around Consensus into another company and the employees have sued, etc., etc. Joe Lubin is quite a controversial figure in cryptocurrencies. But this statement is not about this specific case, but it, it talks more about the idea that with this Ukraine war, there was actually the possibility to send money in form of crypto to people who would actually need the money the most. And it didn't go through the bank, so it was more direct. So you had the option of sending, of course, uh, Ethereum to Ukraine, to the state of Ukraine, but also to people in Russia if you wanted to do that um, by sending them directly crypto and kind of uh, circumventing the traditional banks, which still have some limits of around 3.5k per day that uh, comes from the central bank of Ukraine. So he's making the case that cryptocurrencies are here to stay because the developments that are happening geopolitically are so important and the uh, usefulness of cryptocurrencies are so uh, kind of valuable and big that we just won't get rid of cryptocurrencies uh, as long as these cases would happen. Now, what does that mean for the chart? Essentially very, very similar range. And again, I wouldn't even draw something new here. So very similar range as to Bitcoin with the bottom being around 1,800 
300 US dollars. And you have to see the bottom here is a bit lower than what the range we've drawn here with the Fibonacci sequence in Bitcoin means. But the bottom here would essentially mean about 33K when it comes to Bitcoin, whereas with Ethereum, we have this 1,800 US dollar line. So I still think this range is quite valuable, is quite tradable, especially if you look at Ethereum 2.0 and so on. So yeah, I would say midterm to long term, very, very bullish for Ethereum because people are still putting trust into the Ethereum foundation and the entire network. Now we're continuing on and discussing XRP or Ripple. Now, quite interesting here, there was a crypto conversation happening. On one side we've had here, turns out even staff at the SEC aren't even confident they will win the case against Ripple. Now, this tweet came out 7th of March and on 8th of March, there was this discussion that the SEC would probably settle in any kind of way because it has been removed from the website or wasn't foundable, etc., etc. And here the crypto lawyer John Deaton is saying I don't read anything into whether the case is listed on the website or not as I told uh, thinking of crypto I don't see a settlement within the next 30 days and that was March 8th and then we have this article from March 12th where we can see that Judge Annalisa Torres of the US District Court of the for the Southern District of New York ruled that the SEC has plausibly alleged that Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse and company co-founder Chris Chris Larson knew or recklessly disregarded the facts that allegedly made XRP digital coin amount to the unregistered sale of securities. Now, again, for context, quite important. XRP is the coin from Ripple, the company. And a couple of people, and especially the SEC, is arguing that XRP, the coin, is essentially a security. Now, if or when it should become a security. The big question is, of course, also kind of from a legal perspective and from a taxing perspective. Ripple, the company, then would have to pay hefty fines. The holders of XRP, the coin, would be then security holders and they would, of course, would have to pay capital gains tax and other taxes in the US. So it's a quite important kind of case that's been still going on for the last about two years now and still continues to go on and if we look at the chart we can see the following we can see that there was a small pump because people have expected xrp to kind of win this case but again the correction down is still here in and we can see it for me an interesting kind of price area here would be between 49 cents and 54 cents as kind of the absolute bottom but again as long as this is still rolling, I wouldn't uh, kind of trade XRP in any kind of way. So for me personally, the XRP trade is not really that interesting. Moving on to Avalanche. Avalanche is committing 290 million US dollars in AVAX to attract gaming, DeFi and NFT subnets. Now, what is a subnet? Quite an interesting feature from the Avalanche blockchain. A subnet is essentially the possibility of moving a blockchain onto the Avalanche blockchain with its own regulatory structure, its own assets, its own kind of dynamic within the subnet while still using the efficiency of the avalanche blockchain as well as the cheap transaction fees so imagine having bitcoin or ethereum on avalanche with faster fees and faster transaction speeds now because they want to push this idea of this subnet they have committed four million 
AVEX tokens, which is about worth 290 million US dollars in today's prices. And they want to use that mainly for developments such as gaming, DeFi and NFTs. So quite an interesting development here for Avalanche. And if we look here, again, we can see kind of the trend is still in play with Avalanche. And I still, I'm very impressed how Avalanche is holding up, how Cosmos are holding up in this bear market in general. Of course, there have been some interesting buying opportunities, but for me, this trend line is still in play. So still quite an interesting trade for me. Now, moving on to Cardano, some interesting drama happening. And in Cardano's case, it is about the founder, Charles Hoskinson, who is accused of falsifying his credentials, specifically his PhD and his university degree and so on and so forth, which came out last week. So Laura Shin from Forbes has kind of written down a bit more about Charles Hoskinson's past, saying that he didn't finish university. He didn't study this and that. And on one side, of course, this is drama i can un totally understand that but it more kind of underlines the general attitude in the crypto sphere saying that charles hoskinson is saying and promising things that are just not true and of course this kind of uh, brings a weird light on his character as well kind of defining or, or saying why did he lie about this thing specifically and again it is not about his phd or his university degree in my opinion it's more about what kind of other claims is he making about cardano that potentially might not be true and i think this is the major part why for example cardano has broken down the range that i've drawn here uh, you remember one us dollar line was was holding up really really nicely for about a year but then of course the ukraine conflict happened and then we have broken down into this range now where it has touched the one us dollar line it has broken down again so it is clearly kind of more in a downward trend and if you believe in cardano you essentially would have to wait still on the DeFi protocols and so on that would have to be developed in order to make cardano a really interesting product so for me, not really an interesting trade, especially since it broke lower than the range that I've drawn here. Of course, it has come back up a bit. But for me, again, the range is interesting. But Cardano for now is not. Now, moving on to Cosmos, quite interesting thing and, and developments happening here. Tendermint, the company behind uh, Cosmos, the blockchain, is rebranding to something called Ignite. Ignite with the idea of initiation of change and action. And again, Cosmos for me, quite a surprising uh, cryptocurrency in the last couple of weeks, held up really, really nicely in the downturn in the bear market in general. And Tendermint or now Ignite's focus again is to kind of develop these different um, technologies that would support this IBC, this interconnected or inter-blockchain connectivity that they are bringing to the table. So very, very similar ideas such as subnets on avalanche you can see as well on cosmos now some very very important governance proposal is being voted on right now and we are talking about the Juno Network. Now, Juno Network is a project that is built on Cosmos and they have come out and wanted to do a so-called fair drop. So it's very similar to an airdrop, but more fair towards all the people who have staked Cosmos in the staking areas. Now, Cosmos, you can still stake for about 5 to 7% uh, per year. And that, of course, would be interesting for you if you're just a very, very long-term holder. And 
Juno Network tried to distribute the Juno tokens fairly to all the Cosmos holders. Now, one whale, so a very, very big investor, has held many Cosmos tokens in many different wallets and was able to get a lot of Juno tokens that way through the fair drop. Now, there has been a governance proposal saying that because this was unfair, they should be removed from this person's wallet in some kind of way. And it will be quite interesting as a kind of idea or a proposal to see how the community will react to this. Because on one side, you have the idea of, look, this is a blockchain. Everyone can generate multiple wallets and you could do exactly the same. So it is only fair that this person is getting it, especially considering that the wallets of this person were quite old. And on the other side, you have the idea that saying, well, this person is clearly violating the idea of this fair drop and getting more Juno tokens and even dumping them onto the market. And that in turn destroys the project. Now, if this governance proposal goes through, and the tokens will be removed, it would essentially mean that it won't be as attractive for big whales to stake on Cosmos. Because of course, through staking, you also earn kind of the, the right or the possibility for an airdrop in the new Cosmos ecosystem and in the new Cosmos projects. Now, of course, you wouldn't get that in that case. And that, of course, could potentially mean that there would be a major correction for the Cosmos chart as well. And what we can see here is still also an interesting trend line and again very very impressive how cosmos is holding up in this bear market and here i think will become kind of the most important zone essentially between 26 and about 25 us dollars should this break and I, in my opinion it would only break with this governance proposal then it could be quite a, a short position here for Cosmos. But still, it is a very important proposal again. So if you're just interested in, in this topic, you should read up on the proposal and the idea what the community thinks about that. Now, moving on to meme coins, we're talking about Dogecoin. And if we talk about Dogecoin, we, of course, have to talk about Elon Musk because he tweeted this morning, March 14th, as a general principle for those looking for advice from this thread, it is generally better to own physical things like a home or a stock in companies you think make good products than dollars when inflation is high. I still own and won't sell my Bitcoin, Ethereum and Doge. And so essentially that, of course, brought Dogecoin for a small jump of about 10% because he's saying still holding my Dogecoin and still believing in it. But I think this chart is a telltale sign of where Dogecoin is going. Now, of course, Dogecoin is a meme coin, very similar to Shiba Inu and all these other meme coins. They can be quite volatile. They can go really, really high. And then, of course, as well, really, really low. And I think regardless of what kind of crypto we're seeing here, we can see very clearly a downwards trend here. So regardless of whether Dogecoin has any kind of function or value, in my opinion, from a chart perspective, this is actually not a very tradable coin. Uh, it just shows that the interest for Dogecoin is kind of dropping and dropping. And of course, there have been some kind of outliers here, but they are very short term lived. And in my opinion, this correction will continue on. So of course, if you're dealing with meme coins, if you're trading meme coins, you have to be 
super, super careful when doing that. So in my opinion, Dogecoin, again, it's, it's just a play coin. If you want to invest in it, just make sure or get ready to lose all of your money when it comes to Dogecoin. That was it from the crypto market talk this week. I will see you on the next one, but make sure you subscribe to this channel not to miss any cryptocurrency news. I will see you on the next one. Bye-bye.